Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. The Synod on Synodality enters Phase 2 with the close of September and the opening of October. Pope Francis was hoping that you, the faithful, your retrogrades, would forget about this two-year process, which is given over to incrementalism. And we are getting clues that as he hopes the faithful, the retrogrades, forget what's going on with the Synod on Synodality, his agents working for the Synod on Synodality are planning to change the church unrecognizably with this process. They're saying trust the process like it's the Philadelphia 76ers with Joel Embiid. They're saying trust the process, don't ask questions. We don't want people to hijack the Synod, but we do hope that the Holy Spirit will hijack the Synod And people are going to uh, see a church that emerges new and relevant. I'll I'll show you a quotation today where they say the church is going to emerge relevant. It's going to be a more exciting church. And it's going to be much, much closer to the world. The Synod on Synodality is the church's corollary to build back better from the beer bug. Remember that? What a show I have for you today with some updates on the Synod on Synodality. But before that, I want to give you a couple of more broad Rules for Retrogrades updates. In a few days, we will be going out of town, me and my family. We will be heading on a gradual trip up toward Virginia to have a part in the third Mass of the Ages. So that's really exciting. Therefore, you're gonna, we're, not, we're, we're pre-recording some shows and we're arranging things so it's not that long a layoff period, but there will be a five to eight day period where there won't be a new Rules for Retrograde show, but that, that, will, that will be mitigated because we're, we're going to be gone almost two weeks by some pre-recorded interviews. Look out for that. It's going to be really exciting. Mass of the Ages 3 is going to be, I think, the best one yet. Now... Folks who used to call themselves brick wall, brickheads, associated with Rules for Retrogrades, know that this channel, Rules for Retrogrades, is all about socializing, where people all across the country and even the continent of the world, we have our own little synodality happening, can meet and greet and get to know one another. Well, we have a social club for patrons only. Patreon patrons only, which meets on Thursdays at 7. These people have become great friends. These people, some of them, have met at the Gordon household one time. These folks are, they've become dear family to one another. And retrogrades and parish orphans respond to and recognize one another when they see each other in real time. Well, the social club meets for any Patreon patron this Thursday at 7 CST. I will lead a short, short discussion at the beginning and then everyone discusses after that. It is for all Patreon patrons. These people are cool. They're good to talk to. You can talk to them about anything. They're faithful, mostly Latin mass going, non-LARPers, good people, retrogrades and parish orphans. Become a Patreon patron today. All you have to do is become a $5 patron or up. Go to Timothy J. Gordon at Patreon and become a patron member today if you want to get that benefit. Also, 
starting in October, we are going to have a viewing party for Stranger Things. It's going to be really cool. Season one leading up to the Tide, the three-day, I wouldn't say triduum of the fall, but three-day celebration of the saints and the victorious dead in the fall. Catholic Tide. Become a patron member today. Like, subscribe, click the notification bell. Also go to realestateforlife.org. They'll help you get from your blue state to a red state realestateforlife.org. You got to do it before the midterm elections. Okay, I want to show you something. It's funny. The synod on synodality, sneaky as all get out, incrementalist as all get out. There's this America Magazine article called, uh, quoting Cardinal Gresh, who's one of the leaders of the synod, and he says, the synod needs time on the question of married priests. The Synod Needs Time on the Question of Married Priests. Remember Julian Maloney's excellent book, Sainte Gallen Mafia? The, one of the last two chapters is called Time. These evil folks working within the church, the cronies of Francis, use and require much time because they know how, like all agents of Satan, like all agents of evil, I'll say that, <laughs> they know how incrementalism works. They need time. Listen to this. As we enter phase two, the continental assemblies, I'm going to explain what those are afterwards, but this is the grabbiest part that I thought I would share with you right now. It's a section of this America Magazine article called Hijacked by the Holy Spirit. At a recent press conference, Cardinal Gresh was asked if he worried that some groups might try to hijack the synod process to push for certain proposals. When I asked the cardinal to comment on this risk, he replied with a smile. I'm not afraid of these pressure groups. No, what I would like and what I pray for is the Holy Spirit will really hijack the process. Recalling that Pope Francis has made it clear that he doesn't want pressure groups that try to drive through their own agendas at synods, I told the Cardinal I understood that Pope Francis felt there was a risk of this at the Amazon Synod. See, all the Pope Splainers will now, I have lots of friends that are Pope Splainers, They'll say, oh, look, Pope Francis doesn't want the hijacking. Wait, wait for it, okay? When Francis sensed that a number of participants were pushing to get approval for some proposals back at the Amazon Synod in October of 2019, three years ago, such as ordaining a mature married man as priests and getting women deacons, he didn't say yes, but made clear that he wasn't saying no either. Remember, he attached to the document the relatio, which is not typical, the midterm report. Relatios are not typically attached. He did so, and the relatio said, these two proposals are good. Instead, he was waiting for the conversations on these topics to mature. I asked the cardinal if this was a correct interpretation of what ha happened. Absolutely, he responded. This is Gresh. Everyone listen to this. I'm going to read it really slow. I don't even think I read this. To, maybe I read this to staff first. Absolutely, this is a correct interpretation. And if I can add something to prove how right you are, I remember that after the publication of Carita Amazonia, the post-synodal apostolic exhortation three years ago, I was talking to Francis and the issue of very probati, ordaining mature married men, came forth and he told me, do you know why I did not accept that proposition? 
the correct answer should have been yes, because this isn't the practice in the Latin rite of the church and should never be again. No, Francis said, because I felt that during the synodal assembly there was not a discernment. Cardinal Gresh remarked, believe me, there and then I thank the Lord for the ministry of Peter. Asked to confirm whether the Pope's response to the question of ordaining married men is, quote, not a rejection, but rather is a question that hasn't matured yet, Cardinal Gresh said, yes, we need time. We need time. Time is what these folks know how to use. Back in 2014, folks, hear me loud. Cardinal Walter Brandmuller, one of the good guys, one of the four Dubia brothers, one of the two Dubia brothers who survive, said that there is a four-part plan to the Sankt Gallen agenda. So I'm talking about uh, Maloney's book, and I'm talking about the four-part plan corresponding with the Sankt Gallen Mafia. Number one, incrementalize and then formalize communion for the divorced and civilly remarried. Pope Francis did that. With two separate synods, not one, but two synods with lots of shell games, lots of kabuki theater, lots of yeses that meant noes and noes that meant yeses. But you know the deal. Amoris Laetitia came out uh, two years after the first synod on it and accomplished Sankt Gallen agenda number one. Called Cardinal Walter Casper was the author of that agenda. He'd been trying to get through Sankt Gallen, and he's a member of the Sankt Gallen Mafia, by the way. He'd been trying to get through that Sankt Gallen point one since 1982, or it might be 83. And JP2 actually shut him down, believe it or not. Walter Brandmuller said that points number two and three of the Sankt Gallen agenda are the following. Very pro-body, ordaining married men, and women deacons, deaconesses. That's number two and that's number three. The Amazon Synod considered them heavily, had a relatio that all but affirmed these things, these new institutions. But then in the final document, aside from attaching the relatio, Pope Francis said, we need more discernment. This will be the second synod, this synod of synodality, which is a major synod, that addresses the question. Such a stupid name. It's the dumbest name of all time. The synod on synodality. The institution of institutionality. The convention of conventionality. Uh, So just as it took two separate synods, 2014 Synod, 2015 Synod, Synod's on the family, to get communion for the divorced and civilly remarried before Francis felt comfortable having run enough interference, run enough kabuki theater, such as to produce that preordained manufactured result and say, look, you guys wanted this. He's taking a second synod, the Synod of Synods, or whatever the hell this is called, in addition to the Amazon Synod, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to push through very pro-body and deaconesses. Remember, I had this uh, bet with Eric Sammons whether it would happen back in 2019. Eric got the better of that. He thought it would take more time. They're saying we need time, we need discernment, and we're, we're probably going to get this done. The fourth and final 
agenda item of the Sancta Gallen Mafia, you know what it is? Intercommunion with Lutherans. Who knows if that's going on? I thought I heard something, but then I checked and I, I, I'm not finding anything. But So at the very least, Synod on Synodality is numbers two and three. And also there's all kinds of reportage by lefties in the church who are friends with Francis that uh, together, Gallen agenda items one, two, and three, which are really all about sex. Communion for the divorced and civilly remarried. Married men becoming priests, deaconesses. This is all about the loins. Really what they're doing is opening up a path for the butt philosophers, B-U-T, to make homosexuality acceptable in the eyes of the church. I think that's what they're doing. It's sort of the sum of numbers one, two, and three. But listen to some, if you will, listen to some of the the claims of these folks. Now they say, hey, synod on synodality, we want to hear from you. Do they really want to hear from me? They're saying synod of synodality, we want to hear from you. We want to have a more relevant church. I don't. I want a church that's far less relevant to the world, but they don't want to hear from me. We want a more inclusive church. I don't. I want a more exclusive church, not in the sense of, of demographics. Anyone Greek or Jew or Muslim or Roman, black, white, whatever, should all become Catholics. I want it inclusive. And that's not what they mean by inclusive. They mean people don't have to leave behind their old religion to be a Catholic. They want universalism. People don't have to leave behind their pagan sex magic and their butt philosophy, their homosexuality to be a Catholic. That's what they mean by inclusive. So they don't want to hear from me, and they don't want to hear from you, parish orphans and retrogrades. The U.S. Conference of, this is a, like about a month back, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has issued a national synthesis of the people of God in the United States of America. The synthesis marks the completion of the diocesan phase of the Synod on Synodality. So that's phase one, the diocesan phase, where they're hearing from what is it, something like 178 Latin dioceses in the United States. It's not that much, not that much inclusion, really. And now they're moving it to the continental phase. Last October, Pope Francis invited the global Catholic Church to reflect on walking together and listening to one another. What does any of that mean? The Synod on Synodality is a two-year process that began with local dioceses and parishes engaging in dialogue through listening sessions. They're listening for the heterodox. They're saying, we want to hear from you because we're just, we're not even writing down what you say if you want homosexuality or transsexuality or feminism to enter the church further than it already has. We're not writing it down. We already have it written down, see? We're just waiting for someone to say what we already wrote. See that? That's how it works. That's what they mean by a listening session. Go get this guy that will say this foreordained platitude. And then we'll say that people want it. Each diocese then prepared a report of what was heard at these sessions. In turn, those local reports were then sent to the USCCB, and a national summary was created and sent to the Holy See on August the 29th, this summer. 
about a month ago. And Bishop Daniel E. Flores of Brownsville, a chairman of the USCCB's Committee on Doctrine, said, with immense gratitude, I have the distinct honor of sharing the National Synthesis. It's a pivotal document. It's a culmination of 10 months of intentional listening, very intentional listening, listening for only the heterodox, if you ask me. He didn't say that. It was carried out throughout the church in the U.S. The synodal consultations from parishes, dioceses, national regions expressed the voices of hundreds of thousands in our local churches. 178 dioceses. Okay, now, now that that's done, and we're in late September, can you believe it? Late September, A.D. 2022, folks. The bishops issued the synthesis finalizing the diocesan phase of the synod. The USCCB releases the National Synthesis of the People of God, the United States of America, outlining common themes raised in those listening sessions. What was comprised by those? Here are the issues. This is from Vatican News. According to the synthesis that, that I just I quoted from the USCCB's page, this is Vatican News page, I read you from America Magazine, I, I've synthesized all this synodal crap on my own, and I'm distilling it for you. Listen to this Vatican News.va article. According to the synthesis, among the many issues of concern emerged from the discussions, there were unfolding effects of the sexual abuse crisis, not ever identified as a um, homosexuality pederasty issue in the priesthood, I'm sure, comma, the ongoing impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on local, local church life, comma, ecclesial unity amid growing polarization and divisiveness also concerning the liturgy. So they're also going to bring the hammer down on us liturgical trads. That's what I'm calling myself these days, a liturgical trad. I'm more than a liturgical trad, but some trads want you to check all of these specific boxes and they say you're not a trad. So liturgical trads are going to get the hammer because of ecclesial unity, they want unity, but they don't want to use the unifying language, Latin. They want unity, though they don't want the unifying liturgy, the TLM. They want diversity. They want unity, but they want every church to be able to say every kind of heterodox thing during Mass. So in the name of unity, they want diversity concerning the liturgy. So that's point number three. And get point number four. A desire also for a more welcoming an inclusive church able to prioritize, this is a direct quote, lived reality of the faithful over rules and regulations. You know what that means? That means we want people in the church who believe that the human buttocks is a sex organ. Sorry if you have kids listening, but that's what they mean by lived reality. They're like, look, we got all these ideals, but we want people in the church who are practicing homosexuals and don't have to stop. We want people in the full sacramental life of the church, this is what they said in Amor Satitia, who are practicing adulterers, meaning they're divorced and remarried. And we don't want them to have to not receive the Eucharist, even though Holy Bible says they can't. And 2,000 years of Catholic teaching. The report said a common hope that emerged nationwide was the desire for lifelong spiritual, pastoral, catechetical formation as disciples and for an enhanced involvement in church life. 
Participants in the listening sessions also expressed a desire for stronger leadership, discernment, and decision-making roles for women. That's what they want, both lay and religious, in parishes and communities. There's your deaconesses thing. There's your let's make women teachers thing, even though the Bible says women can't teach men, should never speak publicly in church, should be silent. The Bible says it in about eight places. And yet these guys, by listening and by a process of discernment, they're really smarter than the Bible. And what they're calling the Holy Spirit, I think, I think it might be a spirit. I don't think it's the Holy Spirit, though. I think they're listening for the voice of the serpent. By the voice of the serpent, they are going to discern things that are a false gospel. Like women can be ordained. Full stop. Things that are really, really imprudent, but, but not necessarily wicked. Women being ordained is wicked, according to the Bible. But really, really imprudent married priests. Here are four theme sections. The observations, this is still according to Vatican News. The observations are summarized in four sections of the synthesis, entitled Enduring Wounds. This all has to do with pretend, the church pretending that it wants to make up for the sexual abuse, pederasty, and ephebophilia by homosexuals, according to the statistics, mostly by homosexuals in the church who are planted into the priesthood sometime last, uh, last century. And so that's Enduring Wounds. Part number two, get this. This is after Amoris Laetitia has already been done. Enhancing communion and participation. Excuse me? Enhancing communion? Getting better than the one bit of heaven on earth we already have? Body and blood of Jesus Christ? Enhancing it. Making it better. What are they going to do? Add vanilla flavoring to the wafer? To the host? To a consecrated host? How do you enhance communion and participation? Well, I already know the answer. They mean you can get communion without ever going to confession for your sex sins. You, have to, you can't go to confession if these people have their druthers. If you committed a hate crime, like saying marriage is between one man and one woman. But what they mean by enhancing communion and participation means if you're the right kind of mortal sinner, right? A sodomite some sort of transsexual, a heterosexual adulterer. They don't love heterosexuals, but they do seem to love heterosexual adulterers. Then you can enhance communion and participation by receiving, even though it's unworthy reception, and you're eating and drinking your own damnation on yourself, as St. Paul and St. Thomas say. Uh, Number three theme section is ongoing formation for mission. That's just typical post-conciliar gobbledygook. You know, women running the church saying stuff like ongoing formation for mission. And number four, engaging discernment. Engaging discernment. Now, what is all of this discernment talk? Well, because they want to keep their ears tuned for the, quote, lived reality of mortal sinners... You heard it from, from uh, 
from the synod organizer, Cardinal Gresh. You heard it from Pope Francis as Cardinal Gresh was quoting him. You need to tune your ears. You got to pretend to pray really hard. If you want to make a mortal sin into the eyes of the world, not a mortal sin anymore, like homosexuality is no longer a sin that cries out for judgment, what Pope Francis will pretend to do is pray really hard and take not one synod at the Amazon, but take a second synod like he did to give communion to public adulterers. And now he's going to give it to other public sexual sinners. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. People are asking about the statue on the cover of the thing. Someone said that that weird-looking statue looks like it could be, you know, something at a Pride event. Um, someone, someone on Twitter claimed that this came from uh, the Synod on Synodality, and it, it, it's definitely from an event that Francis attended. It, we're just trying to get funny things, but uh, it, it appears I've seen in a couple places it's from the Synod on Synodality. It's not particularly important, so don't don't get spun off about that. It's just. Uh, you know, it's it's like the Pachamama thing. Remember the weird imagery in the... I'm glad that Michael Hitchborn on the show on Friday talked about all the weird imagery in a lot of these groups that work with the USCCB. Weird pagan, witchy stuff right in their logo. The Synod on Synodality has a lot of that too. And I was just picking something that I... I it's so sad that you have to laugh or else you'll cry. And there's plenty of that in the church nowadays, right? But my, my point I was making is, is simple. When you're going to try to absolutize the relative and relativize the absolute, when you're going to try to make vice into a virtue, homosexuality into a virtue, or take your pick, married priests, women deaconesses, which can never happen after a document circulated uh, all but dogmatized by Pope John Paul II in 1994, uh, I'll remember the name of the document in a second, but it was circulated in 1994. You can't have women deaconesses. They don't care. They're going to push for it anyway. All you have to do, according to Pope Francis, is attune your ears and discern really hard. You got to discern like 240% as hard as you normally discern when you pray. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, this is what these post-conciliar goons start talking about. The Holy Spirit can tell you you're imagining you're talking to the Holy Spirit, and he just says, up is down. That's what Francis means by discern. Okay, let me, um, let me, let me play for you this guy that as um, these five, five continents are meeting right now through October the 2nd in a tiny little town called, what's the town called? Experts from five continents with various competences and perspectives are meeting until October the 2nd in the Italian city of Frascati, near Rome, not far from Rome, to elaborate the document of the second stage of the synodal process, 21 to 23, known as the continental stage of the synod, now that the diocesan phase is done, and thus continue the process of discernment, dialogue, listening. Why do you need discernment, dialogue, listening? Go read the Bible. Go read Denzinger, the Magisterium. Go read... Uh, you know, 
papal encyclicals from faithful popes. You don't need to discern. Discernment, dialogue, listening. Why? Well, in collaboration with General Secretary of the Synod, David Costa, a young videographer from Costa Rica, um, explores the unprecedented experience of the General Secretariat of the Synod and offers a series of videos throughout this preparatory phase. Let me play for you one of the videos. This is kind of funny. What are we doing in Frascati? <laughs> so there are people Heaven only knows. being invited in from all around the world. As we gather in Frascati, we'll be doing so with these syntheses we've read in our minds and hearts. Ah. Um, each of us has been assigned to read these, to analyze them, to pray with them, and to discern together discern. what is being called forth by God as we enter into this next continental phase. Synodality is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. No. It's very much a journey. It's being along the way together. It's a journey. It's a process. Oh, do just... Is, has anything Catholic ever been called this before? Simple articulation of, of doctrine and discipline? This is a journey and a process? These people are changing. They're going to transform the church forever, these goons. Um, the important thing is that we travel together. Uh, we, we look out for one another and we make this journey together and making sure that everyone is included. And sometimes that includes waiting for each other, uh, making sure that the people on the peripheries are able to follow along, that we listen to one another, that we consult each other. It requires Do you know how... What it mean? None of that makes any sense, right? Now these people are very crafty. No, listen to me. They're smarter than you think. They sound like morons speaking that way in that florid, amorphous language. But they're crafty. Why would anyone use any of that language, right? Ever? There's only one reason. It's like that Office episode where Michael Scott promises a surprise at the end of the day. He can't think of one, and then it comes time. It's 5 o'clock. People are going. They're like, what's our surprise? And he's just sitting there discerning. He's like, I'm going to discern even harder. And he can't come up with it because it's too late. You're at the end of the day. You can't make up down. The end of the day came, and you didn't find a surprise for your employees, Michael Scott. Well, mortal sins are really clearly articulated by the Roman Catholic Church. Jesus said, let your... Yes mean yes. Let your no mean no. Moral philosophy and moral theology are not supposed to be difficult. So the synod process is all about trying to just discern extra hard like Michael Scott at the end of the day. Uh, Input-output machine. You cram it in. You spend two or maybe even three synods. Boom. All of a sudden, the butt can be an illicit sex organ. This is what I think they're really after. Cram it really hard, even though JP2 said women can never be deaconesses. Uh, boom. Well, you discerned extra hard. Ooh, whew. I know JP2 said that. I know this is timeless church teaching. It's inalterable. But we discerned extra hard. We discerned like 245% harder than we ever had before, and we got, we got that on the out, outside. We're going to change the church. Pope Francis said from this synod, Expect big surprises. He didn't even say that at the synods on family. Listen to this one goon says now. It requires a certain depth. It requires patience. 
that we listen to one another, that quote. we consult each other. It requires patience. It requires a certain depth and rootedness in prayer and in God so that we're aligning ourselves with God's will along the way in conversation with one another. If, um, if I'm not mistaken, Listen. the place we're going as church is an exciting one. It's a relevant one, and it's one worth waiting for. This is trouble. It's so clear. They think everyone is an idiot. <laughs> yes. They, you, they, it's so obvious what they're doing. Just put on some florid music. Let's have nice tone talking. And we're going to talk about encountering and communication and listening to one another's heart. It's all nothing. They're not saying anything. Well, what they actually are, what we're, reading, what we're doing is we're reading between the lines. What they're trying to do is they're trying to gather all the idiots for the surprise at the end of the surprise at the end of the rainbow and the end of the rainbow it's just like hey we have no more rules anymore everybody that's what it is that's what it and they put on they, okay put on your in america piano music if you're watching commercials it means run out of the room if you're hypochondriac it means cancer americans don't play piano right it's more a european instrument by and large i know some of you took piano lessons i'm just saying in america in pop culture piano means trouble or seriousness. So get our most solemn piano, but a little upbeat, you know, piano fingers. And have a lot of jargony, neologistic phrases that don't mean anything outside of one possible context where they could mean something. Why are they using such idiotic neologisms and, and terms of art? that seem to just be for idiotic self-help types that aren't. It's like, that language of diversity that leftists love using where it's like, it sounds super friendly and welcoming and encouraging, but behind it is something really sinister. It sounds super open-ended also, mm -hmm. in addition to that. And it is open-ended until it's not anymore. There's only one possible context all this can mean. The church is going to emerge relevant. He's saying it's irrelevant right now. In a certain sense, it is. The church and the world were not meant to get together. We're not meant to be friends. The church and the world are set against each other. And he said that it's going to be exciting. And he's saying you're only going to be able to, in so many words, you're only going to be able to comprehend this if you discern maybe 340% as much as you ever had. They're just biding their time, using the florid language that has no other possible meaning to try to say, as Steph just said here, there aren't going to be rules anymore for certain uh, Father Martin types. There's not going to be rules anymore for the feminists. There's not going to be rules anymore if you're a chosen class. And guess what? LGBTQ feminists, these are the people for whom the world is erasing all rules, letting them operate outside of boundaries. The church follows the world for the last five or six decades. The church follows the world, not the other way around. Well, it's like what California has been doing for years where they have an open border policy and they allow 
um, the Mexicans to flood in, and then they take a poll of the new demographics in the state, and they say, well, look, our, now our, our, the polls are saying, after we've allowed these people to come in, that we want uh, free everything and open open borders. Look, this is what the people want. That's what the church is doing right now with this ridiculous, stupid synod. They're like, they're opening the doors. They're saying, let's hear from all the imbeciles what the imbeciles want. And then they're going to present it to us like, hey, guys, this is what the church wants. We opened the door to the imbeciles. The imbeciles have spoken. And now this is what the church wants. Yeah, that's what I meant by kabuki theater. It's what Francis has been using synods for his entire pontificate. And it's really, really clear that this is happening in a writ large way with his biggest synod yet, this two-year synod on synodality with all these phases. So October the 2nd, it officially moves into the continental phase from the diocesan phase. They're meeting right now in this city outside of Rome. They're telling us all kind. we're hearing from the people inside the synod, look, they're really going to do it this time. They're really going to change the rules on the sodomites. They're really going to change the rules for the feminists inside the church who want women to do, to do what is impossible, unchristly for them to do, be ordained. We're going to reordain, we're going to allow married men to be priests again, even though we've gone away from this practice for a thousand years. And, and of all sorts more. Francis said it's going to be big surprises. You heard from this cardinal in charge of the synod that Francis said, Francis said this. I remember after, uh, uh, Gresh said this. I remember that after the publication of the Amazon Synod's post-synodal exhortation, I was talking to Francis and the issue of very pro-body came forth. And I was like, I expected this to happen at the time. I made a bet that it would happen. It came forth, and Francis told me, do you know why I did not accept that proposition? Because I felt that during the Synodal Assembly there was not a discernment. Believe me, there and then I thank the Lord for the ministry of Peter, and then asked to confirm whether the Pope's response to the question of ordaining married men is not a rejection, but rather is a question that has not matured yet. Gresh said, yes, we need time, exclamation point. Go read Julia Maloney's book. Pope Francis is the Sankt Gallen mafioso. Pope Francis is the Sankt Gallen mafioso. Cardinal Walter Brandmuller, one of the good guys, one of the two remaining Dubia brothers, Dubia Cardinals, said, expect these four points in this order. Point number one hit. Two and three have been getting worked on since 2017, 2018. They're about to be completed, I think. I don't know about four, but four might be rolled into this two-year process along with two and three. No formal prediction here. It might be rolled in because Francis said, expect big surprises here. The church, if they can get what they want, Francis and his minions and his goons and all of the, the lefties and the radical LGBTQ people and the feminists, they are going to have an unrecognizable church emerge on the other side of this quote-unquote synod process, which just this week will enter into its second phase and its second year, the continental phase. And then from January to March, they're going to be hammering out the second phase. And we're going to see... We're going to begin seeing in 2023 throughout the year what new devilry they've cooked up for us. 
Heaven be with us. God bless you all. Stay faithful. Day is full. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb.